Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. Yes, it's good to be back, Owen. And we've got Phil, which who is actually a fellow podcaster. So it was great to get Phil on today. And I'll I guess I get hand it over to him to introduce himself and his podcast as well. Oh, hello, Kate. <laughs> hello, Owen. Thank you very much for G'day, inviting me onto the podcast. It's a real pleasure because um, I love the work that you guys are doing as well. And Likewise. Yeah, what we're just trying to do in educate um, investors. Um, well, I've got the podcast shares for beginners. I've actually got about five podcasts now, but we'll just concentrate on the one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a few. Yeah, and um, I started the podcast last year, February last year. And um, I mean, I come from a media background. I come from a radio background. I've worked at uh, the ABC, Triple J, commercial radio, had my own recording studio for many years. And so I've worked in all sorts of areas of, um, of media and uh, podcasting seemed to be an, an area that uh, suited my skills and talents. Mm. So I just really wanted to get involved in that. And I've uh, tried, I worked on um, one of Carl Kruzelnitsky's podcasts for a while there a few years ago. And um, then had my, a couple of my own podcasts, did the usual cliched podcast where three mates sit around talking about <laughs> and um, then another leadership podcast. And then uh, there was a, um, I've, been invest- I've been investing and interested in investing for many years and I've been with various degrees of success, I've been investing in the share market. And I just thought one day it just came to me, shares for beginners as a name. And so I started on that I hate the word journey, but it has <laughs> been a journey. It has been a journey. Yeah, I often refer to it as a journey myself. It's it's kind of this thing that you just get fully absorbed in for a while and it just keeps yeah. going and, and the more you learn, the more you realise there's no end in sight. Well, that's, that's incredible because when I first started, I was thinking, oh, how can I find guests and what are we going to talk about? And now hmm. I've got totally the opposite. <laughs> There's too much yeah. to talk about. And, you know, just as an example, I really want to cover mining and commodities and I'm just still haven't gotten around to doing those. Just that's an, as an example. But anyway, it's been a great um, journey mm-hmm. and um, uh, for me and learning about investing, learning about the share market and just having some fantastic experts on the on the show. Mm. Phil, um, we... You said there that um, you know you you were coming at this from a beginner's perspective, yes. Um, and we talked off air when you and I have spoken previously about I guess the cherished position that we're in being podcast hosts because we can absorb all this information from these experts. Yes. Mm-hmm. So shares for beginners. Can you just tell us a little bit more about it? Are you just interviewing the best guests you can find, and how do you structure the series? Yes, well, I'm looking for guests all the time that will give some sort of new information to listeners. Um, it's a, it's um, sometimes I find 
that I'm thinking I'm trying to find new things all the time to talk about, uh, new subject areas, new ways of investing, uh, new people to talk to. But basically I'm looking for people who are um, have got interesting things to say and that have got really good lessons for investors. Uh, I mean, I noticed, for example, you know, one of the great examples, and you've, you've had Andrew Page on recently, mm-hmm. People love Andrew. I could, I could just tell from the statistics of the podcast listening that um, he's one of the ones that um, really engage with the audience. <clears throat> um, so it's it, it's partly that and it's partly just my own curiosity. If I find something that I'm curious about, I just look for the person that would be good to talk about. And I think because I'm coming at, from it from a non-financial services background, uh, I mean, one of my um, one of my slogans is "I'm not afraid to ask the stupid questions," and I think a lot of listeners have that experience where they want to learn about investing, and they don't even know what the questions are to ask. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, like we're, we're we're proxies for our listeners, and hopefully asking the questions that they would like to have answered as well, and not let. It's very easy for some of these financial services people to get uh, bogged down in jargon, especially uh, fundies when they come on. But I, I seem to have been able to get this great relation with, relationship with some of the fundies and get them to talk in such a way that they're simplifying it like they're talking to their, their mother. I always say, <laughs> try and explain it like you're going to explain it to your mother. That's great. Peter Lynch, um, author and investor, you know, says that if you can't explain it to a 10-year-old, or mm. younger, then uh, you don't know what you're doing. And I think it's um, it's such a good way for us to, um, I guess, think about how we deliver messages. And it comes back, I guess, to that F- Feynman technique, the Richard Feynman, the physicist, who um, who has this technique that when you try and explain it to someone else, it's only then that you realise there's gaps in your knowledge and you can go back and, and fill those in. Yeah, um, he, was great, he was a great bongo player, On just as a side note as well. <laughs> did you realise he was a great bongo player? No, I did not. That's That's a fun <laughs> fact for today. Oh, yeah, have a yeah. look at the book, um, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. It's a fantastic read. His okay. autobiography, I think, but hilarious. He was a great character. Mm. Yeah, I've seen some um, seen some of his work um, just through some of the like the times that he spent on reviewing the space shuttles and stuff like that, and it's, uh, mm. sends, it just seems like a fascinating person. Yeah, and uh, his, videos, his videos on YouTube as well. We, uh, mm. We'd urge listeners to <laughs> explore Richard Feynman's body of work. Yeah, he's certainly one of those ones that come at it from a kind of a multidisciplinary approach where you can bring many different ideas from different industries and, and weave them together. Mm. But back to the topic of investing, Phil, which is why we, I'm sure we could go on for a long time. But um, so now that you've been doing this for a while and you've been investing for a while, what have been some of the best things that you feel you've done either with the podcast or with your own investing? Well, with my own investing, um, I've been scared off. I've been. I've made so many terrible mistakes in the past with investing mm. that um, I'm. I'm basically all ETFs now. Um, listening to the guests and meeting some of the people and people like Andrew Page and Claude Walker from A Rich Life and some of those, I just realise how much work is involved in really fundamentally understanding what a business is doing. Mm. Uh, one of the best things I've done is join the Australian Shareholders Association. And if I may give a plug, <laughs> because I've become very involved with the, the association, I would urge everyone to pay their $130 a year and join the association because they've got they've got members who've been investing for 40, 50 years and, and the knowledge that they have. I mean, 
one of the best things was going to their member meetings. Have you ever been to a shareholders association member meeting? No, no I haven't. Yeah. I, I, like I walked in one day and I thought, oh, this is shareholders or the Association of Retiree Shareholders. <laughs> I wonder what I was going to get out of it. And then suddenly when the discussion erupted, <laughs> you just realised that these people, not only do they know about the companies, they know about all the directors of the companies and the management of the companies, the other companies that they've been managers and directors of, and the mistakes that um, have happened in the past and the things to watch out for. It's just an incredible body of general history in the share market. Um, and I guess the other things that I've been learning about is, like you said, just from the guests. Um, did you want me to go through some of the lists that I've got here? I've been writing a very long list here, Owen and Kate. Uh, feel free feel to like share some, some of the lessons. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, well, some of the things are uh, that you – well, this is one from the Shareholding Associate, Shareholders Association. Mm-hmm. Treating your investments like a garden where basically you're just letting the good flowers grow and you systematically cull out the weeds and just mm-hmm. do this just on a very gentle basis for the long term. And that's the other thing, of course, investing for the long term. Um, I've been finding, I've got a Facebook group now as well, if anyone wants to join up, look for Shares for Beginners on Facebook and start asking some questions there. And um, if you guys would like to join, that'd be great. To, to <laughs> I think I joined last week. Bit of action going on in there. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I think a lot of people, a lot of young people, they're coming into the market now, they've heard about Afterpay. That's mm. it. That seems to be the star stock. Everyone wants to talk about Afterpay. And they think, oh, I could make lots of money by investing in the share market. Um, and I guess that's part of the warnings that you and I and all of us are trying to, to show is that, no, it's not just as simple as having someone telling you what to buy. It's Again, it's that journey word where you've got to learn so much about what you're doing yourself and doing your own research and looking for the systematic way of doing it and also doing it for the long term. I mean, listeners have got so much time on their hands. Mm. Just be in there for the long term. Mm. That's something that I notice, Phil, um, sorry, Kate, uh, just with even people that are a bit older, so even people that are approaching retirement, right, they may not think it, but even at the age of, say, 65, it's still probably 15 or 20 years that you'll have money invested so it's important to to think long term, even though you might not think that, you know, this money needs to get me by the next few years. It actually is still a long term proposition for a lot of people. It is. It's a long term proposition, and you've got to be in there for the long term. Sorry, Kate, did you have a question there as well? Oh no, Owen pretty much said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds, something like that. Yeah, because that's it. It's just no one can predict the future. It's that's the other one of the great learnings is. Um, no one can predict the future. You've got to be in there for the long term. And the other great lesson, and this is something where I made mistakes in the past, is not being diversified, mm. which is, of course, why I've retreated like a turtle, putting my head back into the shell, into the comfort mm-hmm. of ETFs, <laughs> where you're going to get that diversity, uh, diversification. Yeah, absolutely. And how did how did you start sort of figuring out these concepts was it before you started the podcast and you just sort of slowly um absorbed them or is it all from your mistakes or from other people 
No, starting basically from joining the Shareholders Association, which was about the same time as when I started the podcast and uh, talking to some of the great investing minds that we we have here in Australia. Mm, so it's quite interesting. You've come to investing a little bit later in life. I, I guess a lot of our audience are uh, maybe in their 20s and 30s and sort of yes. have a um, are getting started quite early. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear a different perspective of someone who started a little later uh, and is still getting fully um, into the journey and learning as much as they can. Well, I, it's actually, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, I My first share purchase was back in the days of paper trading where <laughs> there was no electronic exchanges where I went and met the broker and went into his office and he gave me his tip and um, I said, okay, we'll invest in that company, which is still on the ASX actually, Gervois Mining. And um, mm. I said, okay, and he wrote down the order and then gave it <laughs> to someone yeah. who came in and obviously went and uh, place that paper-based trade for which I got a certificate for. So I have been doing this for a long time as well as in the 90s um, being involved in some of the the big share floats, you know, the the CBAs and um, eight more. What was the other one? Long time ago. Hard to remember. (laughs) I hope you held on to your CBA shares if you got them. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Again, I'm not a stupid decision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we thought we'd get you on phil and we've kind of already dived into some of them um because you do have so much experience personally but now more so interviewing people and just immersing yourself it sounds like you you just jumped in with both feet into kind of accelerating your own knowledge and um, and wisdom on this topic called investing Hmm. Um, but we thought what we'd do is maybe go through three key lessons or three key ideas um, yep. that we can bring to the listeners. And I figure a really easy way to do this, and we can do this, it'll be quite laid back, is just to maybe just go through some of the lessons. We've got three on our list. Kate and I, we put, yep. put our heads together and came up with three. But maybe we'll um, throw it over to you. I think you mentioned diversification, but was there something else on your list? Um, I, I think it's worthwhile repeating that diversification is the key. And if I can just expand on that point, I think people think that if they've got, um, if they own shares in a bank and they own shares in a miner and then maybe shares in Woolworths, for example, that that's diversification. What I've really come to learn is that the true diversification, and this is where your super money is invested, mm-hmm. is asset allocation. And this is something I hadn't um, really realised until doing the podcast, that um, there are other asset classes like bonds, for example, and um, infrastructure and real estate that are available. You can buy them as an ETF, for example, to mm-hmm. truly diversify your portfolio. And there's nothing, there's nothing, um, there's nothing uh, as safe. Sorry, that's not the right way of putting it. That kind of diversification, while it's not going to protect you in any kind of huge market downturn, it is going to give you some more cushioning than just being exposed to shares alone. Mm. I think that's a, a big thing. And because this is a relatively new uh, theme in investing is, is using ETFs and using the stock exchange to trade more than just stocks. Mm. Uh, I think this is a kind of a misnomer. People kind of think, oh, it's the Australian share market. Therefore, I can only buy shares in, mm. from Australian you know, markets on there. But what it really is, is it's actually an exchange, a place that virtually you can go 
and and you can buy almost anything thanks to these ETFs. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. And we find, Phil, that one of our most popular topics is ETFs and and learning about how they work and, and what they can do for people. But our first lesson, and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, fire this one off, is um, one that has kind of I've pieced together over the past ten years or so, which is this idea that people have to stop trying to time the market. I had um, one of my bosses from the Motley Fool days. He came onto Twitter the other day. It's a really a, quite a rare foray for him, and he said, "Stock market investing isn't until the next market crash. It's for life." And we're taught from a very young age, I guess, this um, conventional wisdom tells us that we need to buy low and sell high. That requires us to try and find the bottom, but mm. also then to make the sell decision, which is two decisions that are very difficult. So I've kind of replaced those four words, buy low, sell high, with one word, and that's accumulate. And I think for the vast majority of Australians, and indeed probably 99% of the people that listen to this, it's not about trying to pick which one at what time, but more so about just accumulating as many of them as you can. And like you said, if you have a garden, you know, put as many flowers in there as you can and get rid of the weeds along the way. And that's kind of a, <laughs> a philosophy that I've, I've touched on, but it's really just about stop trying to time the market. That, that's correct. And um, yeah. I, my, my most recent episode with, was uh, with Graham Hand from mm. um, First Links, who, who, who was great. And he's got this great um, chart that he, um, that he shared with us. And it's, a, it's basically showing the S&P 500 going up and down over the last 20 years. And um, as it's going up, you can see he's written buy, buy, Buy exclamation mark <laughs> and it's going down at sell sell sell, <laughs> which is just one of the most basic things about investor psychology. And as you said, it's not about timing the market; it's about being in there, ignoring that, ignoring mm. all that noise, no, noise, no matter how far the market goes up and down, and just keep on putting in a little bit each week and just leaving it there for ten, twenty, thirty years, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. I've been reading Morgan Housel's new book this weekend, The Psychology of Money, and I he really pointed out that none of these concepts are new. They're, they've been there since the beginning of time. Uh, it's really just comes to down to our behaviour of being successful with our finances and investing. And it's like this amazing soft skill that you don't actually need to have a degree to do well in. It just comes down to learning a few basic concepts and having that behavior and the mindset to be able to stick out the um, volatility, mm. the roller coaster of the market. So I think that's yeah, pretty much what you're saying as well. It comes down to that behavior and actually being able to focus on the end result um, over a long period of time, not what's happening in the media right now. Mm. That's right. And um, I, this is one of the interesting things that I've noticed in doing the podcast is the people that you don't hear on the podcast are the marketing and comms people um, that are facilitating the podcasts and doing the posting and the social media share for, sharing and so forth. And what you find is that these are people who've come from other industries. They don't have a finance background. They're marketing people, social PR people and so forth. And they come in and they suddenly go, hang on, investing is actually quite easy. Mm. And for them, they've learned so much as well. So that's been a really interesting experience seeing the people in the, the background of these companies and what they learn about investing as well. Mm, it's really a, um, it's a huge industry, the financial services industry. And there are so many adjunct uh, roles and, and career paths that I guess facilitate what we see each day. Um, and 
I guess it's only when you actually have a role like you do feel or like we do, where you get to see a lot of these people and, and what, what I guess, service they feel um, in businesses. Kate, I think you're going to jump over to, to number two, our second lesson, which we've talked a bit about already. Yeah. So building on from Phil's point about the importance of diversification, I guess one of the big lessons I've learned in the last few years is that diversification isn't just about having dozens of tiny little investments in different shares and ETFs. Uh, sometimes when you're getting started, you can get really excited and invest in like five versions of the same ETF um, tracking the same Australian top 200 shares or something like that. Yeah, they track with slightly different ones. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've I found you can get really excited when getting started with shares and end up with like $500 here and here and all over the place, um, especially as you're researching and you're just getting inputs from everyone. Um, so I think that's when it comes down to it, it's not the path to success having dozens of little investments because um, even with our friend uh, Warren Buffett, most of his money's only made from a couple of the stocks in his portfolio. Um, he didn't make his wealth from having um, been so diversified. He made his wealth from uh, just a couple of really good choices. Mm. And that's why we say, Kate, that's kind of the thinking that I've come up with and what we've, we kind of follow at, at Rask here is that you can have the best of both worlds, right? You can have the ETFs because they're so easy to buy and sell and they're mm. so relevant to so many people, as Phil said, because they do provide that convenient exposure to different asset classes. But then you can also, if you want to, if you're so inclined, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can invest in individual shares and try to be like Buffett, if you if you will. <laughs> so um, you can do that. But I think the, the mistake, yeah, like you said, where people, the mistake that people make most commonly is that they think, and this is, an, this is an old school stockbroking philosophy, and I talked about this in one of our educational videos recently, where there used to be this thing called the race to 30, and it would be where you you start with one share, obviously, your first one, and then stockbrokers or what have you would try and tell you, oh, you have to get to 30 because that's, you know, academic research tells us that that's 30 true. shares is well diversified. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's true that if, you know, statistically speaking, that if you do get more shares, you do become more diversified. But- there, there's, there's better ways to do it these days. You know, 30, 40 years ago when this research was coming out, that that was relevant at the time, but now there's something new. And I think, I don't know what you think, Phil, but I, I feel like people nowadays are afforded a, a tremendous opportunity to, to have the best of both worlds. Definitely. I think that. And it's, um, I think the approach, and this is something that I am doing because even though I'm mainly in ETFs, I'm starting to um, have a look at individual shares to, to buy into for the long term. And this comes to the next uh, lesson that I've learned. And um, well, there's two parts to this lesson. One is that I got from Claude Walker from A Rich Life who said, match your risk to your experience. <laughs> and that's such a valuable lesson. So um, when I'm looking at individual shares now, the bulk, of, the bulk of my portfolio is in ETFs. But then when I'm looking at shares, I'm, only, I'm not risking a lot. I'm just doing a little bit at a time just to see and to learn about this particular company that I'm investing in. Mm. And um, the, the the other point of that, and this is this is something that I, I can't remember who said it, but it's the idea of heads I win, tails I don't lose too much. And mm. the importance of being able to, when you see something, when you're weeding the garden, just being strict about getting out of it when you realise it's not going, the, what I thought was um, 
um, my thesis for getting into a particular share or a particular company, when it's not working, just get out. Cull those weeds. Mm. I think that might have been a uh, a Charlie Munger quote, or at least maybe a derivation of it. It's um, it's a fantastic one um, yes. because it, it it shows it kind of reminds you of the asymmetric profile that is share market investing. You know, you're looking for um, bets where it's you know a three to two opportunities. So mm. you're looking for those outsized outsized bets. Um, there is a, a tremendous book that's just come out. Uh, I know Kate has taken a few lessons from it. And we're talking about this and, and talking about behaviour is, is something that people probably don't focus enough time on, Kate. Mm. Maybe I'll throw it over to oh, you. Right. Yeah, um, I guess that's leading on from Morgan's book. You can tell I have spent the entire weekend reading it. Um, but he talks a lot about how it's more about that behaviour. And uh, he has a couple of examples where people have more than enough money, like $100 million, but they don't know when is enough. And they keep taking risk, uh, even when they don't have to. So I thought that was really interesting lesson to think about, because often when we're investing, the goalposts keep moving. If we're doing well, we want to do even better and better. And um, I, I found that, yeah, concept really, I mean, it's nothing new, knowing when is enough. But coming back to your own portfolio, you might um, keep thinking, I want to do better than I did last year. You want to beat your friends or something like that. Um, and I, I really like that concept that just brought it back home, knowing when's enough, knowing what risk is enough for you to take as well. Mm. And having a methodology and having a system in yeah. place. So, um, if it, and this is something that you learn and develop over many years. I mean, I, I, I'm not good at it and I'm still trying to develop it, but I'm not sure if you know the QAV Investing Podcast with Tony Kynaston. Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really worth a listen. And um, he's got a methodology. He's done. He's been investing for 25 years as a private investor, doing 18 19% per annum consistently. And it's a methodology that he's built up over a long period of time. And mm. it's basically allowed him to make very, very good money and also to play a lot of golf <laughs> and not even <laughs> think about it and worry about it. <laughs> mm. It's, it's um, I think, people often – benchmark their financial, uh, I guess, wellness and, and wealth against their income or against, let's say, portfolio. Mm. We see that a lot, mm. lot of times in property circles is, you know, tell us the value of your portfolio and so mm. forth. But oftentimes, you know, the true measure of wealth is how much humility you have. And that has nothing to do with financial, like monetary um, rewards that you've accumulated. And it's just to do with your behavior. And I think, um, you know, everything else that goes below, goes above and beyond what you need is just your ego. And I think that comes from a, a Morgan Housel quote as well. <laughs> I know, this, is, this is the biggest mistake I make. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, isn't it? You've heard that uh, mm. term where you overestimate your own ability and a lot of people overestimate. And this is one of the main things. This is one of the main lessons that I really always, for a long time, overestimated my ability and without taking the necessary steps to learn, which is part of why I started the podcast, because I really wanted to learn from uh, the best people. But Humility is so important, really. Um, and ha having having some friends that you can talk to about it, so that you can test your ideas out. Again, you know, coming back to Andrew Page and Strawman, that model that he's put together, where people can actually share their ideas, test their ideas, and argue with the, the, those ideas. I mean, you, I mean, you want to know what it's like in a funds management company. They're not just making a, an investment. 
based on, oh, I think this is a good idea. Mm. They fully research. They go and talk to the companies and then they argue. They have these robust discussions amongst all the fundies all going, well, should we do this? No, that's a terrible idea because of blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. this is a great idea because of blah, 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 blah. And having that humility to be able to have your own ideas tested and thoroughly researched as well, it's so important. Mm. And it's often finding opposing views to your ideas as well. Even opposing views, exactly, Kate. Even when it comes to ETFs, um, you might be wanting to invest in something a little bit more niche, but actually looking at someone who doesn't have a positive outlook for that industry and actually going, can does my research still hold true? Have I investigated all the other sides and the risks involved? And I think we often, uh, often on Twitter, you often only see the opinions of the people you follow and you're usually only following the people that you like or you respect their opinions of. So you often get very siloed in your approach. So you actually have to actively go out and look for different ideas and opposing ideas. And that comes, we talk about that a lot when we're talking about financial media and getting two sides of the story. And you actually have to go and look for that. Yeah. Mm. Contrarian ideas. Yeah. Yeah. we in investing, you know, we once once you've done it for long enough, you realise the most empa- empowering uh, question to ask yourself is what sucks is to invert the logic, and because this this comes back to a, a mistake that often beginners make, particularly with their behaviour, especially with their behaviour, is that they think that the, that the share that they have invested in owes them something, mm. so they yeah. feel like they need to defend it. You mm-hmm. know, if someone has a criticism of Commonwealth Bank and I own Commonwealth Bank, well. That's not true. How dare you? When really, those are the views that you should be seeking. And as to Kate's point, this is something that I'm very conscious of as well. Um, I'm a prolific user of Twitter. Um, probably shouldn't be, but um, I often I often remind myself that it's important to follow the people that I don't agree with, whose mm. investing strategies I don't think work, um, because those are the people that present the critical ideas that I need to question my own abilities and my own strategy. So that's really really empowering. Um, Phil, there's a couple of extra questions. Um, we've realized we've probably got a, a little bit of time left on our hands. And yep, sure. um, there's probably two here on the end that we, we thought we'd just go into, which um, what do you think are some of the barriers that people face when they start investing in shares? And, and uh, do, do you have any strategies to overcome them? Um, again, this is something that I've learned from a guest, and that's to avoid information overload. It's so easy to get overloaded with information. Mm. And just You just don't know what's going on. And one of my guests, uh, Doug Morris from ShareSite, lovely mm. chap. Oh, yeah. He, um, his thought is that you buy a share or you buy um, a holding in a particular company. Uh, now, it's a company that you might know, say Woolworths, mm. whatever it is. It's just a company that you know exactly what they do and that you spend a lot of time researching everything you can about that company once you've bought it. You know, I mean, it's very important to have money in the in it as well because it's not real unless it's your own money. <laughs> then to read the annual reports, to read the, um, sorry, half-yearly reports and go to the annual general meeting. It's so easy now with virtual annual general meetings. Ask questions and find out everything you can about that particular company. Um, I think that that's a really nice, very good lesson. And I've heard that from a couple of other guests as well, because that is going to give you more lessons than any other way and will help you to cut through the noise and all the information overload. And I think part of that as well 
part of avoiding the information overload is not listening to analysts too much <laughs> because financial anal- analysis is not what it used to be. It's more of a PR game these days than um, uh, serious critiquing of a particular company and its its business. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any other thoughts on, on how to um, get started as well. Yeah, I, I would just, just jumping onto your critique, um, I would also say I'd probably lump economists in with that one too. <laughs> I find that they have they get paid a lot to stand in front of a camera and have an opinion on something, but uh, you know, oftentimes we think what, about what's the definition of an economist? Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. You know, what, someone who's good with figures but hasn't got the personality to be an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. I didn't. But um, <laughs> I often think that people think about what's going on with the, you know, the the, the recessions coming the um, you know, coronavirus, what does that mean for the stock market and, um, you know, politics? How does that influence the economy? And I just think that that you're asking the wrong questions. Mm. Someone has to fill that gap. So that's why they do it. But you're right. That's definitely PR there. Um, there's one more question I, I think Kate yep. wanted to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So, Phil, based off your your experiences and the interviews you've done, do you think there's an element of luck involved with successful share investing? So, yes, no, or to what extent? That's a really hard question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've gone, uh, having had bad luck <laughs> being born under, under a bad sign and having a lot of bad luck in investing, <laughs> I, I think that uh, luck has a lot to do with it. Mm. <laughs> but I think that you, you make your own luck. But then, you know, a mate of mine last week, he just said, oh, I've bought some shares in this particular company. And I said, why? Oh, because they've just signed a deal with Telstra. Telstra, they're a, um, a lithium company <laughs> and a deal with uh, not telstra sorry tesla oh yeah and i thought okay shouldn't you be studying this have you looked at the price action have you looked at the charts have you looked at um, any research on the company no no i'm just you know it's a punt and it's gone really well <laughs> it's doubled in this in a week <laughs> so you know luck is what it is <laughs> some yep. people it's other people don't i got a uh, a, a cut Carl Icahn, who's this hedge fund manager, definitely knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, I, I got a, a quote of his printed on a, a, a hooded sweatshirt that I bought the other day, and um, <laughs> it said, um, don't confuse luck with skill, uh, especially <laughs> when judging oneself. I think that's and the important lesson, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, mm. And that's the thing, right? Because your friend in this context, he might um, now think that his methodology, to your point earlier on, and how this all feeds back, um, he might think that that's the right way to invest in the stock market, right? Hmm. And um, maybe that he parlays that those winnings, if you like to use a gambling analogy, those winnings into the next thing that he um, that he rolls the dice on. And yep. I just don't, you know, that we see this come horribly crashing down mm. uh, on occasion. So, so many good principles in here, Phil, that we've touched on that, you know, if people just tuned in for the last 30 minutes to this conversation and maybe they need to replay it once or twice, um, I think that's just there's so tremendous, so profound how many ideas are in this one 30-minute conversation and we can't do justice to them all. Mm. So yeah. you, di- you you have a podcast series called Shares for Beginners for people that want to listen to it um, and you've got a website, sharesforbeginners.com. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, is there anywhere else? Are you on social media? You mentioned you have a group. Yeah, yeah. Facebook at Shares for Beginners on Facebook, uh, the group and the page there. And um, on Twitter, you can follow me at Phil underscore Muscatello as well, though. Um, 
I don't really, I just really do more posting about episodes and when they come out rather than um, getting involved in too much of uh, Twitterverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, it, can be, it, it, it can be a bit vicious at times. <laughs> but we'll put, we'll put links in all the channels. The financial services um, side of Twitter is um, remarkably polite, I find. Oh well, uh, maybe I'm in the wrong maybe I'm in the wrong forums, but uh, wrong threads. I often find it, 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 it. Someone said to me, "This is an interesting point, Phil." Someone said to me the other day, and he's a really good analyst. He said, "I think I learned more from who I follow on Twitter than mm. I did in my master's degree in finance." And <laughs> yes. I, I just had to step back and think about that for a moment. And I thought, "Yeah, well, there are so many great people on Twitter that you can follow. I guess yeah. you just need to be careful who you def- who you follow." <laughs> Okay, maybe I'm not following you. I thought I was following you, but I obviously must. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Owen would put himself into the great people category. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Um, Phil, thanks for taking some time out today. Um, I'm, I'm, I think our listeners will think this Phil guy sounds pretty switched on. Calls him, he doesn't say he's an expert, but he definitely sounds like it. And um, the way you deliver messages is, is first rate. So, Thank you. Phil, and uh, really what you guys are doing as well. Thank you very much. No, we appreciate your time today, mate. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Owen. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Owen. It's been my pleasure.